Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Romans with this message entitled, The Heritage of Holy Scripture. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 3. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the rich Jewish Christian heritage we have in the sacred scriptures. It has been my sheer delight to declare this truth for many decades from this place. You have entrusted to us the very Word of God with all its authority and power. Lord, help us to profit by this Word because it is the Word that reveals to us the way of salvation. It is the Word that makes one wise unto salvation. It is the word that reveals Jesus Christ as God's Son. The word reveals the atonement that Jesus Christ accomplished for the forgiveness of our sins. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Save people, heal people, comfort people, guide people, enlighten people. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our rich Jewish Christian heritage. And I'll speak about three things. One is unbelieving covenant man's question. The gracious answer of his covenant Lord. And finally, the response to the Lord's answer. Today I want to consider the rich heritage of all God's people. As revealed in Romans 3, 1 and 2. What is the most precious gift God has given to us? It is nothing less than his word which reveals Jesus Christ, the author of our eternal salvation. In chapter 2, Paul made some provocative statements concerning the unbelieving Jews. He said, circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. That is, you have become a Gentile. He said a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. Paul is saying mere possession of circumcision... And the Lord do not save a Jew 
from the wrath of God that is being revealed against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress God's truth in unrighteousness. So what is the question the unbelieving covenant man is asking? Not a Gentile, the unbelieving covenant man is asking. The question is, what is the Jewish advantage then over a Gentile? If both Jew and Gentile stand before God in judgment. What is the advantage of being a Jew? What is the profit of circumcision? Or we could put this way, what is the advantage of being a Christian? What is the profit of being baptized? What does it profit being born in a Christian country? What is the use of having Christian parents? What is the advantage of attending Sunday school classes? What value is in worshipping several times a week in a Christian church? And Paul answers this question I say God answers this question. To be born as a Jew has great advantage. To be a member of the covenant community is not without profit. So the second is the answer. Paul says much in every way, much advantage, many advantages. And then he cites the most important advantage that a covenant unbelieving Jew has. So also a covenant unbelieving Christian has. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. Talogia to Theu. They are the custodians of the living oracles of God. And he will speak more about this in Romans 9, 4 and 5. There he lists eight advantages. First, the adoption as sons. No other nation was chosen and adopted by a sovereign God. Second, the divine glory. The divine glory of God's presence that appeared in Mount Sinai and in the Holy of Holies. God's presence was with his people. Third, the covenants that God graciously entered into a covenant with Abraham, covenant with Moses, and covenant with David. Number four, the receiving of the law. Number five, the temple worship through the sacrificial system. Number six, the promises of God. The Old Testament was filled with promises of a God who saves sinners. Number seven, the patriarchs, the fathers, belonged to the Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Number eight, the human 
ancestry of Jesus Christ belongs to the Jewish people. Jesus Christ came from the Jewish people. These were advantages. These did not save the Jewish people. I say mere possession of these advantages do not save a Jew or a Christian. Without faith, active, penitent, obedient, and persevering faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So the highest, the biggest, the chief advantage, benefit of being a Jew, the Jews were custodians, depositories, stewards of the oracles of God. This phrase, Logia Tutheu, oracles of God, appears only four places. In this passage, Acts 7, 38, Hebrews 5, 12, and 1 Peter 4, 11. And Stephen, in Acts 7, 38, says, Moses received the living words from God to give it to us. The Jews were the custodians of God's utterances embodied now in the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament in 39 books. What does it mean to be entrusted with such a great deposit of divine treasure of God's own word? They have to read it. They were to believe the word. They were to obey the word fully. They were to defend the word from all heretics and false prophets. They were to proclaim the word to the whole world. They were to teach themselves, their children, their nation, and the Gentiles. They were to translate it into other languages. They were to interpret the word correctly with divine illumination. They were to oppose, as I said, false prophets who promoted false teachings. They were not to add or subtract from the very word of God. Jesus was taught this word in the home, in the synagogues, and in the temple. He came into the world to know this word and obey it fully. We read about Timothy, that Timothy was taught the word by his grandmother and mother from infancy. So Paul says, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, there are people here this morning who have been entrusted with this precious word, but they haven't trusted in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. And But God brought you here so that you can one more time hear from my mouth 
the word of God. No salvation to a Jew or a Christian without faith in the Savior, Messiah, Jesus Christ. But this faith comes only through the Holy Scriptures. So the scriptures are to be cherished and taught. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. You read that today. But I will read from chapter 6. Beginning with verse 4. The famous Shema passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord. Your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The scripture, the living oracles of God is full of divine authority and divine power. Pastors Peaky and Lannings say this about the scripture. In scripture, God is speaking to us as a father speaks to his children. In scripture, God gives us his word both as a word of truth and a word of power. As a word of truth, we can trust in and rest our all upon scripture for time and eternity. We can also look to scripture as the source of transforming power used by the spirit of God to renew our minds. The Jew was given this great entrustment of the divine treasure of scripture. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 8. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? And turn with me to Psalm 147, beginning with verse 19. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Do you understand, friends, this great heritage, this great entrustment? The very word of God. And let me tell you this powerful word. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. It tells us. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven. And do not return to it without watering the earth. And making it bud and flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower. And bread for the eater. So is my word. That goes out from my mouth. There it is. The definition of the oracle of God. The word that goes out. From the mouth of God. It will not return to me empty. But will accomplish what I desire. And achieve the purpose. For which I sent it. 
Turn to the book of Deuteronomy again. And let us see what Moses is saying about the word of God. Chapter 32, listen, O heavens, and I will speak here, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. That's the word of God coming upon the dried up soul, famished soul, lost soul. As dew upon mowed grass, as shower, as rain. Imagine life without water. But thank God, the word of God has come down from heaven upon our souls to revive us and to refresh us. What a blessing it is that God himself would speak to us expressing his love toward us. You know, if a, a big man, a powerful man, if he looks at you, you are happy. But if he stops and speaks to you, you are excited, you are blessed, and you'll go home and say, he stopped and he spoke to me. And that's exactly what God has done. He has spoken to us expressing his love for us. He speaks to us that we may live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we read that, that in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. And Jesus in his temptation quotes that. That man shall not live by, a, by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God has given us, us his word that we may eat it, we may live by its nourishment and direction. We are blessed when God speaks to us. We are in distress when God keeps silence. We experience confusion and misery when God refuses to speak to us. Turn with me to the book of Amos. And there a prophecy is given concerning a famine that was coming. Amos 8 and verse 11. Think about friends and consider how blessed you are to hear God's word week after week. I read this, the days are coming for the nation. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Finally, God expresses his displeasure and throws them out. No more prophecy, no more word. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And there is a curious phrase. In verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. 
there were not many visions God refused to speak to his own covenant people who became wicked turn to 1st Samuel 28 here is Saul to whom God spoke through Samuel but he refuses to live by the word and so 28 of 1st Samuel and verse 6 he inquired of the Lord but the Lord did not answer him and therefore he goes to a witch to find out something about the future or turn with me to 2nd Chronicles 15 and verse 3 for a long time Israel was without the true God without a priest to teach and without the law but in their distress they turned to the Lord it is a great tragedy friends when you are not hearing the word of God you may have a Bible in the home but you will not open it because God refuses to speak to the wicked who will not cherish the word of God what did the Jews do with the word of God most of them did not treasure it they rejected it they became like the pagans practicing idolatry let's look at Psalm 50 17 take a look and see whether it is something you also are doing Psalm 50 verse 17 you hate my instruction and cast my words behind you as we throw away garbage we don't want to see it we don't want to hear it we don't love it we hate it turn to Isaiah 5 and verse 24 I'm speaking to you friend listen to this therefore as tongues of fire lick up straw and as dry grass sinks down in the flames so their roots will decay and their flowers blow away like dust why for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel your father and your mother your Sunday school teacher your pastor your friend been speaking to you but you developed such hatred for God therefore God's word and therefore God's agents think about it and open your Bible let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 6 Jeremiah 6 and verse 10 prophet Jeremiah is speaking and here we read to whom can I speak and give warning who will listen to me their ears are closed so they cannot hear notice then the word of the Lord is offensive to them they find no pleasure in it I have noticed it all through the years how certain people cannot stand the word of God it is offensive to them and then let's turn to Jeremiah 36 and there was a 
king, his name was King. Jehoiakim. And you know the story. Finally, they, they made the discovery of the Bible. It was lost for many years and, and all that story. Now here, the word of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's word is coming to this king. And you can go home and read it. Beginning with the 23rd verse of Jeremiah 36. And he cut it. Strip by strip, column by column. And he threw it in the fire. Such hatred for God, for his grace, for his love, for his care. He burned the word of God. But turn again to the book of Deuteronomy. 32nd chapter. Where there is a warning given by Moses. Deuteronomy 32, 45 through 47. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. And then he says, They are not just idle words. For you. This is not mythology. This is no Roman, Greek, Hindu mythology. They are your life. The word is your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Friends, your rich heritage is your life. And then we read in Second Chronicles 34, they lost the Bible for many years and then they found it. And it was brought to Josiah, the good king, and they read it to him, and he trembled and repented and brought about serious reform in his life and in the nation. Or turn to Luke 16. Remember the rich man who lived in such luxury, dressed in purple, every day a party. Now this man had the Bible the law and the prophet. But he paid no attention to it. And he died. And he was in hell, Jesus says, in fire, in torment, in agony. And he doesn't want his brothers to land in hell. And he wants God to send Lazarus back to Israel to tell everybody there is a hell. And your brother is in hell. You must repent and believe in the word. God said, no. They have the law and the prophets. Friends, this is serious business. There is nothing of greater value in the whole world than the word of God, which is your life. Psalm 19 says, verse 7 through 11 the word of the Lord revives the soul. Makes the stupid wise. Makes, gives joy to the heart. Gives light to the eyes. It endures forever. More precious than gold. Sweeter than honey. The best honey. 
It is the early warning system, it says. And there is great reward for those who keep it. What is it? It is not the general revelation. It is the special revelation that tells us reality, truth, and especially who God is, who man is, and how can a sinner be saved. And 119th Psalm, you have been reading, but let me tell you a few things. Verse 1 says the Bible is the standard to live by. Not psychology, not moral relativism. The Bible is the standard to live by. And verse 9 says, it tells you how to live a holy life. Young man, you want to know how to live a holy life? The Bible tells it how to live a holy life. And verse 11 tells that the word of the Lord will keep you from sin. Amazing power of the, the word of God. It warns you from sin. It keeps you from sinning. And verse 18 tells that you need God to open your eyes to understand the word of God. Which is nothing less than regeneration. The unbeliever cannot understand it. And it says verse 23 it deals with your problems. When enemies rise up against you, the word of God will give you strength. Verse 24, the, the Bible are counselors, not one multitude of counselors that give you safety. And verse 30 says, you must choose it. You must choose the way of the word. And verse 35 says to a believing person, the word of God is pure delight. Pure delight. And verse 50, it gives comfort in all suffering. And some of you really need more comfort than others as you face bad news. Verse 59, it says it leads you to repentance. Verse 72 says it's most precious and verse 89 says the word of God is eternal because God is eternal and the word is eternal. And verse 97 says it is the love of my heart. Verse 103 says it is most sweet. 105 verse says it is my guidance. 127 says it is my treasure. 144 says it gives me knowledge. 161 says, it gives me fear of God. 165 says, it gives me great peace. Not just peace, but the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. In the context of all gloom and misery, we are given great peace as we look into the word. And verse 175 says, it is strength to my soul. It sustains me. It is my nourishment. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me tell you, friends, in the scripture, God speaks to us. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I don't have time to exposit it, but it simply tells you all scripture is God-spoken. God spoken. 
the living word of God. All scripture is God spoken. God is, is the author of it. Yes, it came through men whom God directed to do the writing so that they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. But that's not the emphasis here. The emphasis here is, it is the word of God that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, charged with absolute authority and divine power to be heard and obeyed. And is useful, profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and instruction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Or 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21 says, the source of the word is God, but God guided human beings by the Holy Ghost. And so, what we have is the very word of God. And this Old and New Testament is the very word of God, as we read in 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, where the writings of St. Paul is called scriptures, holy scriptures. In this great treasure of scripture, the Lord is speaking to his servants, says Professor Frey. Man is created to obey him. In redemption, the sovereign reasserts his lordship. So no one is saved without confessing Jesus as Lord. This Lord makes absolute demands in the Holy Scriptures. Yahweh is Lord. You cannot question him. Even when he says, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, Isaac, and burn him up. Do not waver and doubt, do it. And in Romans 4, verse 20, we are told that's exactly what Abraham did. Because he is Lord. Number two, loyalty to him transcends all other loyalties. You cannot have any other gods. You cannot serve two masters. You must hate your father and mother and wife and children your own life. And follow me. And this Lord, and so the Lord's word, governs all areas of life. And you read the Old Testament, as Professor Frame says, it regulates your worship, your diet, your sex, your economic life, your family life, your travel, your calendar. And then he asked the question, what about the New Testament? And he says it is more comprehensive in the New Testament. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all in the name of the Lord. So friends, what are you going to do with this revelation? What's your response to God's answer? What's your response to God's entrusting of you with his very word which you have it sir it's lodged in your brain as you came here and as I preached it came into you as the Sunday school teachers taught it came into you it is in your brain it's in your head as your father taught you morning and evening it's in you sir what have you done with this entrustment 
Do you value this privilege you have? This treasure you possess? The most precious treasure. More precious than gaining of the whole world. As Dr. Boyce says, this word that gives life to the spiritually dead. This word that convicts us of our sins. This word that cleanses us of our sins. This word that teaches the will of God. How we should live. How are they treat, uh, t- treating the scriptures? Let me tell you very quickly. The evangelical, the minority of people called evangelical. To them, as Boyce says, it is the word of God from beginning to end. And it is entirely truthful because God is truthful. And then liberalism. How does liberalism teach? And we have churches in this city. To them, scripture is only man's word without any absolute authority. Therefore, they reject God and miracles. Then there is neo-orthodoxy. God is so transcendent that he does not actually speak in human words, but he reveals himself in ways we cannot talk about. So Bible is man's very weak witness to God's non-verbal revelation. But the truth is it has no binding authority. And then evangelical light, L-I-T-E. Bible contains God's word and man's word. So truth and errors are in the Bible to be sorted out by experts who are critical scholars. So check with a professional what to believe and what not to believe. And then postmodernism, it says Bible has no meaning in itself. Make it say whatever you want to say, but it has no authority. But let me tell you, one Jew, Jesus Christ, and he came into the world and he treasured the word and he said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said, I came not to destroy the law but to fulfill the law. He said, the Bible is speaking of me. Speaking of me. The law, the prophets, the writings, the psalm, they all are speaking of me that Christ must die and be raised from the dead. That repentance and forgiveness may be proclaimed to all the peoples of the world. The unbelieving Jew asked the question, what is the advantage of being born a Jew? If Jews and Gentiles will be judged by God, what advantage we have over the Gentiles? What is the answer? You have the advantage of possessing the great treasure of God's word. But you must believe this word to be saved, as Abraham did. Even so, you may ask, friends, I'm born in a Christian family. I have been educated in the word in Sunday school. And I have been hearing the word preached for many years. I have been dedicated and baptized in the church. What is my advantage over non-Christians? Much in every way to you, God has entrusted his very precious word that reveals the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. Have you examined the scriptures? Have you listened to the claims of Christ in the scriptures? The Jews examined the claims of Christ. They were the builders. They looked at this stone, Jesus Christ. And they looked at this way and that way, examined very carefully. But it was not acceptable to them. So they rejected the stone. They crucified him. But God raised him up 
Christ has become, we are told, the capstone. He has become the precious cornerstone. He is Lord and Christ. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Friends, you must choose today. You must decide. Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Sovereign Lord or a blasphemer? Choose precious cornerstone or a worthless stone to be cast away. You must receive him as Lord or reject him as a fraud. Then face him on the day of judgment. Friends, I had the privilege being born into a Christian family. I was taught of God's word in the home morning and evening. I attended worship services regularly. I memorized scriptures and read through the Bible several times. In God's rich mercy, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior at a very early age. Friends, I'm safe in God. Neither death nor life can separate me from his eternal love. What about you? Have you taken advantage of the advantage God has given you? Listen to John Wesley, the great man of God. I am a creature of a day, passing through life as an arrow through air. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf till a few moments hence. And that is true, sir. I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach me the way for this very end. He came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be homo unius libri, a man of one book. Here then I am, far from the busy ways of men. I sit down alone. Only God is here in his presence. I open, I read his book. For this end, to find the way to heaven, is there a doubt concerning the meaning of what I read? Does anything appear dark or intricate? I lift up my heart to the Father of lights. Lord, is not, is it not thy word, if any man lacks wisdom? Let him ask of God, thou hast said, if any be willing to do thy will, he shall know. I am willing to do, let me know thy will. Sir, in the scriptures, God offers you his son, our savior. Receive him as savior, as Lord. Paul says the word is near you. You don't have to go to heaven to get the word. You don't have to go to hell to bring the word up. The word is even in your mouth. And then he says, that is the word I am preaching to you. Friends, I have preached the word to you. What are you going to do with it? And it is my earnest prayer that you will receive him whom the word is pointing. Sovereign Lord, our Savior. Heavenly Father, may your people respond to the answer you have given by welcoming Jesus Christ 
as their Lord and Savior and live a life of continuous blessing in your presence. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled The Heritage of Holy Scriptures. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.